All right. Welcome back to the Leon Lounge. Thanks for listening. Um, just want to give a quick a quick uh, shout out and a thank you to my few followers that I have and to the people um, that are listening to me in different parts of the country and overseas. Uh, we got a lot of listenership in uh, uh, Georgia. Um, got some Virginia, Kansas, uh, California, uh, Delaware it looks like, Baltimore, Maryland maybe, somewhere in Maryland, you know, get them crabs up there, and um, uh, Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, and Belgium, and uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, today's episode, I want to talk about the Roman Emperor Nero. Now, this guy was a complete basket case. He he was just from the get go, just a little bit, little bit off. Um, he's probably the most infamous, uh, you know, emperor uh, in Rome's history. Um, and he he rules from about fifty four A.D. until his suicide. Uh, about 14 years later, so he killed himself, and it's rumored, it's rumored that he, he killed himself because A, A, he was worried that he was going to be assassinated because of how poorly he handled his, uh, emperor, uh, ship while he was doing it, but it's also rumored that he, he killed himself because they were, they're due to certain circumstances and stuff, they were out of, uh, grapes and cheese, which was what his diet primarily was composed of was grapes and cheese and uh with no grapes also hard to make wine but nevertheless the dude was nuts though so the guy was just from the very beginning um he was he was pretty off um so he his he was actually born uh he was born Lucius Domitius Abinobarbus Ahinobarbus I can't even I can talk right now. Uh, <clears throat> plus, I just ate. I'm a little bit full. I just had a nice Italian sausage. I had a, I had a, an Italian chicken sausage, and it was it was pretty good with some provolone cheese. But uh, Nero took his familiar name when he was adopted at age 13 by his great uncle, the Emperor Claudius. Um, his father, Gnaeus uh, Domitus Ahenobarbus, uh, had died when the future emperor was only two. So when Nero was two, his dad died. Um, and Nero's mother, Agrippina, the younger, was her was her uh, handle. That was her Instagram handle. Uh, she married Claudius after arranging the death of her se- second husband and was a driving force behind her son's adoption. So this whole family's just wild. I mean, this, this is like a... Uh, I mean, this is this is a whole family affair, uh, and you know, at this time in history, these people like there was a lot of incestual things going on, and a lot of and you know, there were probably a lot of diseases that people had that they didn't know that they had, you know, uh, mental or otherwise, um, that were could possibly affect their brains and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know, but that's that seems to be my general. Uh, assumption of what of what's going on back then but she arranged um so his so his great uncle is emperor claudius well his mother uh agrippina the younger arranged for nero to marry claudius's daughter octavia 
in uh in 53 so this was uh the emperor's the emperor's son Britannicus uh upon Claudius's sudden death so upon Claudius's sudden death in 54 uh it is suggested that Agrippina fed him poisoned mushrooms and then uh that's when Nero took the throne so they she sidelined she sidelined Britannicus because she wanted Nero to inherit the throne. So she poisoned Claudius, um, whom she married um, after she had her second husband killed. I think I knew this broad. But so in the first five years, um, in his first five years as emperor, uh, Nero gained quite a reputation. Um, and, uh, he, he was, he was apparently very, uh, he was apparently very generous and he was a big, uh, promoter of, uh, power sharing and stuff like that within the Senate and stuff like that. And he, uh, he got rid of a lot of like backroom deals within the politics and, uh, he, you know, he eventually kind of, uh, he eventually just left the rulings up to his three key advisors and he just pursued his, he just did his own thing. So he, he, and it was, that's kind of smart of him. So he gets people to like him. He shows all this generosity and I'm surely this was being all coached by his mother more than likely. I mean, what does a, uh, you know, 17 year old know about running an empire? So his mother probably told him to do all of these things. And she's like, She's like, you know, Nero, you have to, you have to convince them. You got to convince them that they to like you. Because if they don't, uh, they're going to take you out of the power. They're going to take you out. Much like I took out of your greater, your greater uncle with a poison of mushroom. I fed him a portobello with a little, uh, lace with a little cyanide. So he, he, his three key advisors was actually, um, the stoic philosopher Seneca, uh, the the prefect Burrus and ultimately uh, Agrippina herself. So, so Seneca encouraged Nero to step out from his domineering mother's shadow, and uh, she turned against him, promoting her stepson Britannicus as the true heir to the throne and protesting Nero's affair with his friend's wife, Papea Sabina. Okay. So his mom was was jealous now because he was having an affair with uh, Sabina, and um, Nero had learned his mother's lessons well. So uh, Britannicus died uh, under certain circumstances, and in fifty nine, after a failed plot to drown his mother in a collapsible boat, uh, Nero Nero just had uh, his mother Agrippina stabbed to death in her in her home uh so and then octavia was exiled and then executed uh so in 62 nero and uh sabina were married right and then three years later in what the roman historian uh tacitus described as a casual outburst of rage uh nero killed uh Papea Sabina with a single kick to her bell to her belly apparently and I think it's rumored that she was pregnant so he he was trying to spread the rumor that she died during pregnancy or something or died uh you know from natural causes or dur- during um 
during uh, birth while our, while our child was being born, but that's uh, disputably not what happened. Apparently, he kicked her to death. Um, so that's what you know. That's that's what uh <clears throat> that's what happened. So so this whole family is like just offing each other, just having each other whacked left and right. And uh and at this point, Nero's probably thinking that he's in the clear because. He's his his mother was the one who was constantly having people executed, and then, wouldn't you know it, uh, the sword turned on her, and uh, she fell on it. So, yeah, but she went out. Apparently, like the AJ, he he had somebody make a boat, and they what they did was is they made part of the boat, um, where I it looked like wood, but it wasn't wood in that part. It was like something that would get. Um, really soggy and dissolve and then start to leak, right? So it was like a it was like a boat that was just designed to, after about thirty minutes or so, start to sink. And they were hoping that she would go out far enough to where it would uh start sinking and she wouldn't be able to swim back. But apparently she was able to swim back and it, the it didn't work. And you know, so she comes home and she's like, "Well, that was weird." You know the boat just this boat that my son, uh, who I'm trying to get out of uh, out of the throne, just gave me this boat and it just started sinking all of a sudden. That's that's peculiar. Well, I better just go and just relax. And then and then he had her stabbed. So that's what happened. But uh, so following following Agrippina's death, uh, Nero gave himself fully to his uh, long-standing artistic and aesthetic passions. So, at private events beginning in 59, he sang and performed um, a lot, and he encouraged other members of the upper class to take dancing lessons, and he ordered public games to be held every five years in Rome, and trained as an athlete himself, uh, and he competed as a, uh, a charioteer, so he, 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 uh, he, he drove a chariot, and uh, his, his longest-lasting artistic legacy um, was his recreation of Rome following the fire that destroyed most of the city. So there was a, a huge fire that took place in, um, in 64. Um, so in 64, in 64 AD, a blaze broke out in uh, one of the shops around the Circus Maximus and quickly spread throughout the city. And over the next nine days, three of Rome's 14 districts were destroyed and an additional seven were severely damaged. And it's kind of hard to think like how a fire spread so quickly in an area. Like, I mean, like, wasn't most of these things made of like stone and stuff? I don't know. It's kind of hard to to picture that. It must have been a lot of fabrics and stuff like that. And I'm sure I guess there was a lot of wood too. I, what the hell do I know? I wasn't there. But, um, so... Uh, several several sources place Nero on the roof of his palace during the fire, dressed in stage garb and singing uh, from the Greek epic The Sack of Ilium. Uh, and rumors circulated that the emperor had started the fire to clear land for uh, to to expand his palace complex on the Palatine 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 Hill. So. Um, you know what so whatever whatever responsibility he actually had 
for this disaster. He just completely defect, deflected it, and uh, he blamed other members, and he blamed uh, the Christian religion for the fire. And he ordered all manner of creative and brutal persecutions. Uh, some were condemned to be dressed in animal skins and then torn apart by dogs. God, that's brutal. While others were just burned to death in uh, nighttime pyres that provided light for the emperor's garden parties. So he would host parties, and at these parties, people were burned to death to provide light for their, uh, you know, hanging out, drinking wine and whatnot. I mean, that's that's just insane. So the he the the Roman treasury building, uh in the city around his 100-acre Domus Aurea, which means uh, Golden House, um, his palace complex. So he he basically bankrupt the entire Roman treasury to build this. And uh, at the center, he commissioned a 100-foot-tall bronze statue of himself, and it was named uh, the Colossus Neronis. Um, So that's pretty wild. Uh, So this is, I mean, this is just textbook uh, uh, narcissism and and psychopathy probably and uh, sociopathy probably I guess I mean he was just just completely freaking wild but um uh, so in the but in the final years of his rule um, the Roman Empire was under a lot of strain and all of the reconstruction costs in Rome, um, and there were revolts in uh, Britain and Judea, and uh, other conflicts were going on. Uh, the capital forced him to devalue the imperial currency, lowering the silver content um, of the denarius by 10%. And in 65 AD, a high-level conspiracy to assassinate the emperor emerged. Um, so that, that led Nero to have some people executed. Um, uh, it, he, he had high level, uh, several senators and officers and prefects, uh, executed and the emperor's old advisor, Seneca, who we talked about before, he was caught up and, uh, he was forced to commit suicide. He got caught up in it too. So with all these things falling apart <clears throat> at home, Nero took, uh, an extended tour of Greece. Okay. And he gave himself to music and theatrical performance, uh, driving a chariot in the Olympic Games. And uh, he, he announced all these political reforms. And uh, he, launched, uh, he launched an expensive and futile project to dig a canal across the Isthmus of Corinth. Um, Isthmus of Corinth. Okay, so... Well, he he returned to Rome in uh, 68, and he failed to respond divisively. Uh, He failed to respond decisively to a revolt in uh, Gaul, prompting further unrest in Africa and in Spain. Man, their their Roman Empire was massive back then. So um, the the, uh, governor, Galba, declared himself um, legate of the Senate and the Roman people, and... uh, Soon, the Praetorian Guard declared allegiance to Galba, and the Senate followed suit, declaring Nero an enemy of the people. So, he attempted to flee. So, Nero attempted to flee, but upon learning that his arrest and execution was definitely 
uh, imminent, he, he took his own life and he killed himself. Uh, and apparently uh, a historian uh, reported that Nero's final uh, lament and comment was, what an artist dies in me. Okay. So that's pretty, uh, pretty wild. I mean, the dude, the dude was, was nutso. And um, there's another little side story that I'm going to talk about that's got a little something to do with Nero. And uh, that is the story of a young boy named Sporus. So Sporus was, Sporus was just a teenage boy, and he was probably just uh, maybe, he was maybe a slave or some kind of chore boy or something, and just maybe sauntering one day around the, streets of Rome in the sun and just minding his own business when here comes uh, Emperor Nero. Um, and this was this was shortly after Nero had killed uh, Sabina by uh, um, kicking her to death. So Nero sees the boy. And apparently Nero believed that the boy looked exactly like Sabina. And he ordered the boy to be taken. So he had these uh, guards take the boy. And it's not just Nero that would come up to say that the boy looked like Sabina. Other people have come out and said it. Uh, or it's, it's written down and, and, and stuff somewhere. So, so after, he, after he kicked his wife to death, he meets a boy who looks like her on the street. And he has him taken, right? Shortly after this, Nero has the boy turned into a eunuch. And if you don't know what a eunuch is, a eunuch is a man who has been castrated. And he took Sporus as his bride. So Nero finds this young boy on the street, has him taken up, castrated, and then forces him to be his bride. And this was in 67 AD. And it's almost, the story of Sporus is almost like some sort of mythological tale, but it's actually very real and uh, very tragic. But, so Sporus was a Roman youth, and he caught the eye of Nero. He, he uh, Nero replaced Sabina with Sporus. And he, Sporus became the empress, okay? But it was a lot less glamorous than it sounds, there, there's a couple of um, there are some, some statues of uh, there's no there's no statues of Sporus, and there's really I don't think there's any drawings of Sporus, but there are some depictions of um, Sabina, and Nero is also said to have had a uh, incestual relationship with his mother Agrippina, you know, and he had her whacked later on, but um. Uh, but long before Nero ever set his eyes on Sporus, he was just, he was known to be a pervert. And um, his sexual behavior is still, you know, talked about today because we're talking about it right now. And it was said, it was said about Nero that a historian has said, besides abusing freeborn boys and seducing married women, he debauched the Vestal Virgin Rubria. Okay. So, this is a serious accusation. So, um, de- deflowering a Vestal Virgin was a huge no-no in ancient Rome. Like, this was, um, 
this was a, a horribly immoral act and severely frowned upon. And it would actually ensured that the priestess's uh, death by live burial if it were discovered. So, and, uh, and also freeborn young men were not to be touched and certainly not defiled, uh, although Nero did not adhere to those rules. Um, so that's pretty wild. So, I mean, talk about blaming the victim. So this uh, priestess, a virgin priestess, gets deflowered by Nero, and then she has to be buried alive. Um, that doesn't seem fair. So the, the historian Su- Suetonius also recorded that uh, he had a relations with his own mother. So he said, he said that Nero even desired illicit relations with his own mother and was kept from it by her enemies. And uh, who feared that such a relationship might give the reckless and insolent woman too great of influence. Um, especially after he added to his concubines a uh, courtesan who had said to look very much like Agrippina. But, uh, you know, so Nero had his mom killed. And um, he he had her killed because it's believed that is he had her killed because she objected to his affair with Sabina. So they, so Sabina is after this. Sabina's dead three, not just three years later, and it's rumored that Nero kicked her to death. Okay, in sixty six A.D., Nero saw her face again in the young boy who goes by the name of Sporus. Not a whole lot is known about Sporus's early life. Not even his true name. Okay, this name was given to him because uh, it comes Sporus. Is comes from the Greek word for seed or sowing, and uh, it's it's probably thought that the name was given to him as a cruel way to bestow. It was bestowed onto him by Nero in, in cruelty and meant to mock Sporus's inability to ever produce heirs. Um, like he calls him, you know, seed because he has no seed. Um, and uh, apparently Nero also frequently called the boy Sabina. Um, but the, the Sporus's status is unclear. Uh, it's claimed that he was a slave boy or a free man, um, but uh, no one really knows. But it is known that he was uncommonly attractive and had a very lovely face, very similar to Sabina's. Um, but according to the historian uh, Suetonius, Nero had Sporus castrated, afterwards keeping the boy shrouded in a woman's uh, stola and veils, and announced to the world that his lover was now a woman. He even held a wedding ceremony in 67 AD and took the boy as his wife and uh, the new empress. So Sporus, uh, decked out with the finery of the empresses and riding in a uh, and riding in a litter, Nero took with him to the courts and to the marts of Greece, and and later at Rome through streets of through the streets of the images, fondly kissing him from time to time. So Nero would ride around with this boy, and the boy's dressed up in, you know, the finest garb, and they're just, he's just proudly with the boy, and um, kissing him in front of the whole, for the whole world to see. Uh, I guess he wasn't ashamed. Nero not only took Sporus as a lover, but he presented him as a woman. And people don't really know as if, if he did this because he actually wanted the boy to be a woman or to feel like it was more normal or 
to just completely humiliate the boy and, you know, just stomp his pride completely out by just calling him a woman. Because obviously the boy wasn't uh, happy about this situation. Um, but there, there was a, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, um, homosexuality going on in ancient Rome, actually. And, um, and even, uh, Julius Caesar could attest that same-sex attraction was less about gender and it was more about position, um, both physical and societal sense of the word. So it was kind of like, like, so basically the slaves were fair game. And if you were to be taken as a lover on the bottom, it meant you had given away power. And that was unacceptable. And who you had sex with mattered only if you were both ranking members of Roman society. So if you were, if you were both high-level society, then that's the only time people cared. But if you were a slave, that meant nothing to anybody. Um... So, in, in, by these standards, Nero was completely in the clear, and he was obviously the more dominal, dominant sexual partner to Sporus, um, and uh, people accepted it. You know, some people would have considered it a, uh, a perversion, uh, to a perversion according to Roman homosexuality and, and stuff like that, but... Sex was used, in ancient Rome, sex was used also as a weapon, okay? Homosexuality was accepted among the men. The difference was, it was about power. So if you were in a certain position, you needed to be on top. And it only worked one way. Uh, The Romans, often when they conquered a people, it was very common for the men and the Roman legions to rape the other men that they conquered. And it was a show of their power and force, okay? That's a little... That's a little strange, but, uh, you know, though, though, uh, Nero had named Sporus an empress, uh, Sporus had no power, really, no much more than a slave. He was pretty much just, uh, Nero's sex slave. Um, but the, there were uh, lots of eunuchs in ancient Rome, okay? Um, and the reason that there were eunuchs is because, the emperors believed that by removing um, removing a, a male's uh, gins would mean that they didn't have any ulterior motive. Like they weren't ruled by their by their sexual desires, so they could make decisions and and lead without worrying about you know what about what the female you know sex would think about them or or worried about or just be distracted by sex and things like that. Okay, so that's that's why they were so common back then. And even Alexander the Great had a eunuch lover named uh uh Bogas, Bog Bagoas. Okay. So it was it wasn't uncommon for this to happen. Al- Alexander the Great he, he had many eunuch lovers, but uh Bagoas was his favorite. And Bagoas was a Persian uh, eunuch who became a trusted companion um and he was an advisor to um I can't even say this guy's name, but he was an advisor to Cleopatra's brother slash husband. Okay, but um, but a lot of historians even uh present the idea that Nero may not even have been uh very enamored with this boy Sporus, but 
he had him castrated because um, he, he had him castrated and humiliated physically and socially to prevent any potential claims to the throne, right? Because the boy really did look a lot like uh, Sabina. But uh, according to this whole theory, uh, Sabina had actually convinced Nero that she was in fact illegitimately descended from Tiberius, a former, a former emperor of Rome giving her a strong imperial crime. But since Sporus bore such a strong resemblance to uh, the deceased empress, it might spark the idea in society and some of the people thinking like, okay, maybe maybe he has some sort of claim to this imperial rule. So in such a case, uh, having him castrated would just be a simple, easy way for Nero to just completely eliminate that as a possible factor. And uh, humiliating him and treating him like a woman would make sure that no one would ever take him seriously as a emperor to to throne. Um, so on January uh, on January first, sixty eight A.D., Nero was taking um, auspices for the new year, um, and it was at this point in time. And this is a pretty well known thing that happened. Sporus. Um, Sporus gifted Nero a ring, and on the ring was a depiction of the Greek mythological tale, The Rape of Persephone. And it's a story of a mythical girl who was kidnapped by Hades himself to become his bride. And um, the image of an innocent taken into the underworld probably contained multiple meetings to Sporus towards Nero. Um and it, you know, maybe reminded uh, Nero that Sporus was at his side thanks to force, just like Persephone was with Hades. Um, but the uh, gift, gifting Nero this item at the dawn of the new year would have been considered uh, it to be in very poor taste. And then a lot of people think that it was actually just a grave omen. Um, and as fate would have it, Nero would be, would be dead well before the end of the very same year. Okay, but sadly enough, you would think that uh, with Nero being dead a year after gifting him this thing would might possibly be a good thing for Sporus, but it was not. Um, as tragic as this um, this uh, person's life was so far, it actually um, gets even a little bit worse. Um, so Nero's death is at this point uh, imminent, and uh, they the whole Roman populace was dissatisfied, as I said before, with Nero's leadership. Um, he was blamed for the fire, um, even though that probably wasn't his fault. Uh, Nero made an escape. Uh, he he made a run for it to escape uh, Rome, and he was declared public enemy. And when he escaped. Uh, Sporus accompanied him, okay? So, uh, Nero was informed that the Senate planned to have him executed. Um, but Nero's private security, under orders, helped Nero drive a dagger through his own neck. So, he did this in a way to escape his public execution. Uh, after So, after Nero dies, Sporus is passed on to the Praetorian guard uh, Nymphidius. Sabinus, who kept Sporus in his role of uh, Ursat's wife, whatever that means. Um, according to Nero, 
by, according to the the book Nero by Edward Champlin, when the second husband figure died in a subsequent coup, Sporus went to Otho, Sabina's first husband. Okay, she divorced him to marry Nero. So here we have quite the quite the tale here. We've got Sabina, who marries a man named Otho. Okay, divorces Otho to marry Nero. Nero kicks her to death while she's pregnant, kills her. Nero finds a boy who just uncannily looks like her, has him taken away and castrated, and calls him, starts calling the boy Sabina, and calls him the Empress, and makes him uh, his bride. Okay, so now Nero has committed suicide, and Sporus was passed on to uh, Nymphidius Sabinus, who he also kept as his wife. Another coup happened, another takeover in Rome or something happened, where Nymphidius is killed, and, and he died. So now, coming all back around full circle, Sporus, who looks like Sabina and was basically made to be the new Sabina by Nero, is now passed on to Otho who was Sabina's first husband, who she divorced to marry Nero. That means just everything went full circle. So Sporus, Sporus played the role, and he really tried to, he tried to stay under the good graces of his now, uh, former, now his deceased husband after Nero, but he's trying to be, he's trying to get on Othos's good side. And uh, Othos just uh, wasn't having it. But now, so, after becoming emperor in 69 AD, um, Vitellius proposed that Sporus play the role, um, Sporus play the role of Persephone, as told in the Greek tale, The Rape of Persephone, um, who you may remember from earlier, I said, Sporus gifted a ring with a depiction of the rape of Persephone uh, to Nero, which was like a bad omen and maybe ultimately even led to his demise. So as a in, in the Colosseum, as a gladiatorial spectacle, uh, Vitellius wanted Sporus to play Persephone. And he actually, um, he wanted, what he was going to do was have him actually raped to death in front of everybody. That was his... Um, that was the ultimately uh, what Vitellius wanted um, to happen because he was just done with him. Um, he was done with Sporus. But uh, Sporus, in order to avoid um, this uh, monumental humiliation in front of all of Rome and to die such a, a horrible, painful, humiliating death, um, he, he killed himself. He took his own life. The... Even though his life ended, his name lived on as a synonym for for eunuchs um, for a long time, and uh, it even made it into a lot of poetry and stuff. Um, uh, and there's a poem by uh, Lord Byron, and uh, it says, "Sporus, that mere white curd of ass's milk, satire or sense, alas, can Sporus feel? Who breaks a butterfly upon a wheel?" Don't really know what that means. 
But, you know, Sporus was kidnapped, mutilated, sexually assaulted, passed from emperor to emperor, and then uh, was ordered to die in front of all of Rome and be uh, raped to death. Um, but he 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 took his own life. He he decided that he was gonna die on his own uh, terms. So hopefully that uh, hopefully that was an interesting tale for you guys, and it gives some insight as to what uh, what it was like back then. I mean, it was just. Just crazy. It was wild, and and it's it's um it's amazing how in the course of like you know, uh, ten twenty years, all these things was just so full circle, and even the Roman Empire spanning all the way from like, all the way from like Britain to Greece to um Northern Africa and parts of the Middle East, just still um there was just so much. You know, it, it was like one small community still kind of. Like, everybody kind of knew each other, and it was sort of like that. But I'm going to wrap this one up. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, uh, once again, I just want to say thank you to my listeners um, wherever you are. Uh, if you're listening, please uh, follow or give me a good rating or something. And uh, don't be afraid to reach out at uh, the Leon Lounge Pod at gmail.com. Stay smooth.